Off the ball. He is desperate to beat Shearer's record. There's no doubt about that. If he does beat Shearer's record, that record may last forever. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Off the ball daily. So uh, Man City did their thing, although it wasn't as comfortable as many people maybe had predicted in advance. Kind of an interesting um, first 20, 25 minutes where Inter start full of energy. They're pressing very high. They're aggressive in midfield. Plenty of fouls, plenty of tackles. And you think, Man City, well, that was a miscontrolled pass. And that was a an errant pass. And they start to add up and suddenly Pep Guardiola is screaming, calm down, calm down on the sideline. And it's not... Uh, as comfortable as they might have thought. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose, you know, the Manchester City players um, are human and they're at the the end of a 60-plus game season, a treble on the line. They've already got two in the bag. There's bound to be some nerves early on, especially. Um, but I think also in, in, in this discussion about the, the broader discussion about the game is, is there was an opposition there. We were all, me included, by the way, yeah. were expecting Man City to show up and put on a display and be epic and all take our breath away. But Inter Milan are, are no mugs. They're a seriously, seriously good team. And you don't get to the final without being able to set up and know how to win games. Um, and I suppose when you're ever, if you're preparing for a game against Manchester City, you kind of sit down and you look at it and say, okay, what are they good at? What do they want? What are the spaces they're looking for? What areas do they like to get into? And if they get into those areas, what do they like to do? And then I suppose from a starting point or jump-off point as, as the opposition, you kind of go, okay, let's deny them that space or at the very least limit them. You know, you're never going to stop City getting into these areas, but if you keep letting them into certain areas of the pitch, the law of averages, law of probability, they're going to get you. And I think Inter did that. You know, they packed the middle of the park. Um, there was an interesting um, kind of little subplot with John Stones where he veered away from his usual role um, in terms of setting up as a, a traditional centre-back and then in possession... He just wanders in alongside Rodri um, at the base of the midfield and City have two number sixes. Um, and then the back three narrow off slightly and then they get the ball into midfield. Very early on, John Stones' position was actually as a number eight. He went on the far side of of, um, of Inter, Inter Milan's midfield. That as well included, he actually started as an orthodox right back um, and it was Akanji and Diaz in the middle of the park and Ake at left back. You know, ordinarily, it's kind of Akanji at right back and Ake at left back. But it was, it was when he transitioned or inverted into that midfield role, where he was inverting into, he was on the far side of Inter's midfield. And I think part of the game plan was, by the way, I'm just stating my thoughts on it here, um, is you know, Inter packed the middle of the park. They had three tight in midfield and two centre-forwards. So they had kind of five players in a, in a 30 by 30 box. And I think if John Stones wandered in as a number six and City start rolling balls into him, you know, Barella's really, really good at pressing. Callan Hoglu's very, very good at pressing. Brozovic is, is streetwise. They were, they were probably maybe thinking um, along the lines, if we lose this, you know, it's one pass and it's into Latour Martinez and they're going to get us, you know. So they kind of switched it up a little bit. And I think he was probably expecting the back three to be able to get the ball into John Stones, into Gundogan, into Kevin De Bruyne on the far side of Inter's midfield. Mm. They just couldn't seem to get the ball into him. And you have to credit Inter for that. Yeah. I thought they were really, really good in the way they set up, the way they limited Manchester City, didn't stop them at all. But that game plan that Inter set up with is just hinges that when the chances come along, you have to take them. Mm. You might only get one or two. 
and they did only get one or two. It's not the type of game plan where you sit up and you go, you know what, we're going to get 10 chances in this game and on the law of averages, you know, we will get a goal or two out of this. The Latoura Martinez from the mistake between Kanji and Ederson where he could have squared it, could have pulled it back to the edge of the box. But in reality, I think he, he was trying to finish it himself and it was a good save. It wasn't the best of finishes. It wasn't a horrific choice. I thought it was on. If he lifted it, he was probably anticipating the goal to go down a little bit quicker. And I don't think he set it off far enough. So, look, in hindsight, it wasn't a great decision. But I don't think it was horrific, um, you know, for a centre-forward to, mm. to look up, to, to give up a chance like that. And then, obviously, the, um, the Lukaku header, um, which, by the way, I don't think the Diaz header after it has been given anywhere near enough credit. Um, he just almost contorts his body to somehow... I watched it back on a replay about six times, and I couldn't figure out whether it was luck or judgment. And I think it was a little bit of both. Um, the way he just kind of arched himself and he does try and get it away and oh my god what an incredible header because the reflexes the speed at which that ball was going to come back at you and for him to make a decision and be able to adjust as quickly as what he did was seriously impressive Mm. your John Stones observations are interesting because Pep when he was interviewed post-match in particular about the first half he was saying the issue for City was that Stones was the free man but they couldn't get the ball to him so yeah. that, that tallies with you, uh, you know, that City almost couldn't break that press and just get beyond that very bunched midfield into Stones' feet and, and, and get things moving from there. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't see that afterwards, but um, I, it was obvious after five minutes that that's what they were trying to do. I think he realised that Inter were a, a very, very good uh, high-pressing, high-tempo midfield and, and, and you're running the risk of turning it over. Barella's a super player, such a big fan of Barella. I haven't last number of years, you know, watching him at Inter in the Champions League, working those games, um, and obviously for Italy as well. I mean, he is a guy that will just get through a, a, an enormous amount of work. Um, and I think he probably, that's what he was, looked what he was trying to do. Um, but look, Manchester City came out of a group, am I right in saying with PSG in it? Um, you know, they beat Bayern in the quarterfinals and they beat Real, and that's where the Champions League was won. Yeah. That's where that's where we saw the beautiful game, yeah. and that's where they, you know, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich came out, went to toe to toe with them, and City, you know, gave as good as they got, and they just absolutely put on a clinic in those two games, especially the Bayern away game, um, you know, in terms of controlling a game and you know being efficient in in possession and everything that you do. I was really impressed with them away at Bayern. The Real Madrid game speaks for itself. Unfortunately, the final was a completely different proposition, but to be a treble champion, to be the champions of Europe. You have to know and learn how to win lots of different ways. And the one thing that we've all said about Pep Guardiola is, you know, when they were being beaten by the likes of Monaco, by Lyon, um, you know, every team that's dumped them out of the Champions League in the last four or five years, they couldn't figure out a way to win um, when they were posed with a certain situation. And give them the credit, they came up with a way to win. Mm. So while we, the fans, weren't as entertained as, as what we all wanted to be. And I think sometimes maybe we are a little bit guilty, me especially, you know, sitting down with a, a bottle of beer and just saying, right, entertain me, I'm here. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, the professional in, in you always comes out and says, look, they were asked some questions and they came up with the answers. Yes, they got a little bit fortunate with the, the inter-misses, but I don't, I don't think we can forget either that... Um, Phil Foden has a couple of misses of his own. You know, one really glaring one where he just, you know, the inter-defence just seemed to part and he almost went through one-on-one and it was a really weak finish. Um, so, um, look, overall, they deserved to win it throughout. They were, they were, I don't think anyone can deny they were the best team this season in the Champions League. They were the best team in the Premier League and obviously the FA Cup as well. Um, you know, they didn't 
fluked away to any of this. They truly were the best team in every competition they entered and they got the, the, the results when it mattered most. Yeah, and, and like you would say comfortably the best team. You know, lots of comparisons between 99 and 23 for obvious reasons. And 99 is just a different world in so many ways. But City have scored more goals than that very free-scoring Manchester United side. They've conceded fewer goals. Their win percentage is about 73, 74%. United's is 58%. Again, it was just a different world in terms of how things are done. So, like, City, it feels like, I mean, and the final was almost the squeakiest moment. City have won everything in as undramatic a fashion as you could. Everybody just at arm's length and they've kind of done it in what looks like fourth gear, which is not the way you're meant to win a treble. Um, yeah, I mean, from yeah, I think so. Just to go back to your, just to your comparisons with 99, like football was very, very different back yeah. then. Um, and it's similar to what I said with Manchester City, you just had to figure out to beat what's in front of you. And Manchester United in 1999 beat everything that was in front of them, you know, you can argue it doesn't matter how many goals scored or conceded. They found a way to win every game. Mm. There was a touch of fortune attached to that in 99 as well when you think that um, they went out to 10 men at Villa Park against Arsenal um, and Ryan Giggs scored that wonderful goal. That would have been pretty perilous. Um, going down to 10 men um, in 1999 was probably slightly different to going down to 10 men in 2023 um, with the way people expose. Now, I've, I've listened to loads of managers talk about that going down to 10 men in European European football is a death sentence, you know, you've, against when you, especially when you're playing against, you know, elite teams, you know, obviously when you, you play against the lesser teams, maybe in the group stage, you can get away with it. Um, but if you go down in a quarterfinal or semifinal where you're playing an elite team, you know, the way they set up, the overloads they'll create, the weak spots they're going to find in you, um, it is a death sentence. It's very, very hard to overcome that. But Manchester United overcame it. You can't judge them because of what Manchester City did. They're both incredible um, at what they did and they yeah. both you know, achieved it. So um, I would be slow to kind of go down that type of road, although I know fans will kind of pick at each other and, 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 and highlight a lot of the things you're saying. Yeah. One glaring difference, I think, is, and, and it, it speaks to where football is at the moment, in that you know, sports science and preparation and, and tactical preparation have been so harnessed now, as opposed to '99, where there was a degree of uh, go out there and 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 do it. Is that when '99 happened? I think the general reaction was, "Oh my God, we'll never see this again." Whereas, if I was to say to you now, are, are City more likely than not to do the treble next season? I think a lot of people would say, actually, you look at each competition individually. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good chance they win the treble again. And that's the um, uh, the most marked difference, I think, between the two sides is that there's just no end in sight. Once Pep is there, I think, there's no end in sight for this um, City team on any front, or do you see it otherwise? I, I, I would go one step further than that, and I'd say that there's a number of Premier League teams now that will be eyeing up a treble. Um, when you look at the way the, the, the money that's being spent, you know, the... The, the Premier League teams are only going to continue to get better because yeah. the money is getting more and so more and more. Premier League is and the you, bigger ass than Europe at the moment. Um, I would, oh geez, oh, that's a that's that's a really tough one to call. But I would say that, like you know, maybe Liverpool would be staring down, saying that you know a treble is is the, is, is the bar, and they're capable of doing it. When you look how front loaded they are with, with attacking players, um, if they get their midfield ironed out, they're more than capable of of, of winning a Premier League. Um, a Champions League and, and an FA Cup. I think you know a quadruple should be what we're talking about. No, that's the one that's never been done before. Mm. Um, and I think that's 
but Manchester City will be setting their sights on winning all four trophies. Um, by virtue of the fact that the Premier League has just got so many, so much money in it and so many good teams and so many good coaches. When you look at the likes of Villa and 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 Wolves, the level of coaches that they have in in Emery and and Lopetegui, I mean, these guys are like seasoned European cup winning or you know Europa League winning teams who have managed Spain, Real Madrid. They're like serious coaches, and that's you know some way down the Premier League. So I think that. Um, a number of Premier League teams will be eyeing up the treble and I think it's going to become more and more likely to be honest with you because squads are going to get more and more deep in, insofar as the 25 you're allowed to register you'd have 25 season internationals mm. as opposed to you know you know, 12 or 13 you know season internationals you know a few lads kind of on the way up or on the way down and then maybe you know bookended with a few young fellas I mean Manchester City has got you know 25 you know, I know they have a few kids in there as well, but I already saw them linked today with Garvidal, um, the centre back out of Germany. Um, you know, what an incredible thing that would be as a centre back to, to to come in. So they're only going to get better and better and better. Liverpool, I mean Newcastle. You know, I'm not saying Newcastle are going to win a treble, but it's somewhere down the line in a number of years. Um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I don't know if the Qatari thing is going to go through with Manchester United. You know, there's rumours today that it's it's all but done. They're going to be ironing out all their issues and they're going to be um, rebuilding. So, um, not to mention Arsenal with the season that they had and, and obviously Chelsea. So, um, I think the quadruple could be the new treble, Joe. Like, <laughs> that's, is that uh, fair? <laughs> I, I dare say you could be right. And that is a grim state of affairs for those of us who grew up and loved European football as being the pinnacle. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, you know... That, it, Obviously, I'm not writing off the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, but it's going to get harder and harder for those guys to to, to compete with the Premier League money. Um, it's just going to keep stretching and stretching with the amount of state money, um, oil money that's involved in the Premier League. Anytime a player comes on the market, it's more invariably going to be a Premier League <clears throat> team that's going to get them. Mm. Um, by and large, I'm not saying that that that, that, that Real Madrid won't get their fair share of players but I just think that you know the young talent the money that's going to be on offer the transfer fees that the Premier League teams can pay it just looks like it's going that way but um, it remains to be seen Yeah Haaland's a good example of that I think 15 years ago there's no question he goes to Madrid or Barcelona mm, Absolutely yeah absolutely and, and you know the way he was managed um, he, he his career has been stage managed and you look at you know I know Harry Kane is just talking him going to Real Madrid and stuff like that but um, and then your other point of, of of why City could you know maintain their dominance is is if Pep stays, but I think they've put in place um, the structures that are going to underpin that football club with the academy, the training. Group. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I think I, that that, that, I, well, that well, I was going to ask you about Pep. One, well, let's come to what happens when he leaves. Secondly, let's talk. Firstly, his standing in the game now. I'm curious for your thoughts on this. Is his third Champions League first without Messi which was often a stick to beat him with this is his second treble uh, five and six in the Premier League I think it's 33 trophies in his 15 years and then that's not really to kind of and I, and I don't know how you measure his influence in the game but he's the most influential coach in my lifetime uh, the whole world is imitating what he's done which is extraordinary and he still comes up with things which surprise people and, and we make sense of them in retrospect but nobody is saying they should go three at the back, put a four in midfield, Haaland and then the two boys out wide. That's the solution, you know. But Pep dreams these things up and is just probably at genius level. 
his standing in the game of all the coaches you've seen in your lifetime, I'm not going to ask you to go back to Croy for people that you might remember as, as well, but Pep's uh, stature in the game in the midst of Ferguson's and, and others. Yeah, I think in terms of influence on the game, he's, he's the greatest that I've seen. Um, again, I, I wasn't around, you know, for the, the Dutch team in the 70s where they were like, you see those old videos of them ultra high pressing and stuff like that. You know, Pep is kind of taking these ideas and adding his own little bits to it. You know, you will look back in the 70s, there were teams doing an awful lot of what Pep is doing. I was reading an article before there were teams previously that had midfield players step in, or sorry, defenders step into midfield. But obviously he's 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 putting his own spin on it and he's he's putting his own stamp on it and he's perfecting it in his way and and I think the fluidity that which City are be able being able to to flip between two formations is is the most impressive thing because I've played in lots of teams where managers will say like you know in possession we're going to do this and out of possession we're going to do that and, and, and invariably it ends up being a mess because you know a lot of players will kind of go well I thought that you know we kind of still had possession or the ball was in flux and I thought we were going to get it so I didn't drop back in here yeah. or invariably they can't recover quick enough. Um, because on the turnover, the opposition goes straight for the jugular and you kind of get caught out of position a little bit. But the fluidity and ease that they're doing it with, and not just against like mid-table Premier League teams, they, they did it against Real Madrid. Um, you know, the, the attention to detail, the attention of the players he must have to listen to him, to buy into what he's saying and to execute it, just shows what a, an incredible man-manager he is because it's one thing having these ideas. It's another thing getting the players to believe and do what you want to do and execute it to the level that you want it to execute it to. Um, yes, he spent a lot of money. Yes, there's a couple of dark clouds hanging over him, mm. um, you know, from the, the, the 115 charges and obviously the, the referee incident in, in, in Spain. Maybe there will be little asterisks that people may uh, or may not put next to his name. But from a footballing point of view, with what he assembled, regardless of how he assembled it, um, it's pretty impressive, and 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 um, my admiration for him and what he's done um, is 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 outrageous. I do think they're probably going to get hit hard because of this 115 um, charges next year. City don't think they'll get anything retrospective, um, but I think there'll probably be some sort of a points deduction in the very near future for them. Um, that'll be large enough for everyone to say, okay, they were taught a lesson, but not large enough for them not to qualify for the Champions League. That would be my guess, mm. but that is just like a wild guess. Which again, you know, we, we welcome in the media, by all means, uh, whatever you want to do, just uh, throw it out there with abandon. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting because he has said if they're found guilty, he's leaving. I won't be your friend tomorrow is his very dramatic way of putting it. So if they are hit with something, whether he leaves yeah. on principle will be uh, interesting to see. So you said they're set up to succeed yeah. even if he was to depart. For all the reasons we've just discussed and... Uh, a whole other host of them, even just his handling of these egos. Uh, Cancelo, I don't like the cut of your jib. You're bombed out of yeah. here. Yeah. Calvin Phillips, you're a little bit overweight. You're basically not yeah. going to play for me this season. And of course, he's able to afford to spend 50 million on this guy and then not play him. But still, if you look, you know, I, I, I counterpoint our PSG, who just make a mess of this whole thing. And it's mm. it's the small decisions he makes and how he manages this yeah. group, which is, is kind of uber impressive that he keeps them on track. I think the second he walks out the door, Man City revert a little bit to reality. Um, yeah, that's a distinct possibility, but I think they've definitely put the infrastructure in place um, that uh, if he did walk out the door, they have a chance of of, of keeping the ship moving. Um, when you contrast that back to when Ferguson walked out in 2013 and the squad that was left over and the club 
in the shape that it was in. Yeah. David Moyes was on a hiding to nothing, really. When you know, I know that squad and that team won the Premier League. I know my you know fans will, will will be quick to point that out, but you could just tell that Ferguson ran that place with an iron fist, and as soon as he went, everything seemed to go with him. I think with City and the backroom team, I mean, did you see how many of them were on the pitch after the game when they were forming the Guard of Honour? I mean, they must have had two or three buses worth of staff coming um, there. But I just think in the middle management, there's a clear objective, a clear direction that the football club is going in. Their academy is in a really good shape in terms of they've scalped up a lot of um, uh, young talent from around the world. The age profile of the team is very, very good. And regardless of what we say about City and their spending, their turning, their net spend is seriously impressive. I have my notes with me. They're not quite with me right now. They're in another room, um, which is very professional of me. But um, their net spend is, is is pretty good. You know, they mm-hmm. haven't just gone and, and and no, at the start they did, and I think to bridge the gap, that's probably how they got hit with all these charges. Yeah. Because you know, to go from where they were to where they are, you know. You had to spend a lot of money. You think of Claudio Bravo and Ederson, that, those types of situations. You know, they were on a, 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 a track to go somewhere. They didn't want to wait, so they just just said, "You know what? We'll break the rules and we'll, we'll deal with the, or potentially break the rules, um, or allegedly break the rules, um, mm-hmm. and then we could have picked up the pieces up." Um, so, but no, when you look at where they are, yeah, the age profile is good. They're moving the likes of Sterling on, Kyle Walker. You wouldn't be surprised if they moved him on. No, and they'd get it. You know, a, a decent sum of money for him. Um, you know, if Julian Alvarez wanted to move on because he wasn't getting enough first team football, he's probably five or six x his fee that he probably came in for. Yeah. World Cup winner, proven that when he comes on and score goals. Um, so I think they're in a good place. They're well run, and 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 obviously that comes from the ownership. They've put the right people in the right places to to recruit players. Um, they know when to move a player on. Um, they don't hang on to them for a year too long, and then all of a sudden, you know, the player is not really contributing. They've hung on to them for memory's sake. Um, so I think they're in a good spot. Yeah. They really are. Obviously, the the manager that comes in after him will obviously have a huge, huge job to do. But the club's in a good place. Uh, at the risk of this sounding like a very childish question, I was going to ask you who your favourite city player is um, because it's funny when you go through them, like Ederson and his distribution, Diaz. The way Kanji's come in, the role that Stones is playing, you know, Kyle Walker's not able to play that role according to Pep. Then again, what Walker mm-hmm. did against Vinicius. Then you mm-hmm. got De Bruyne, who's De Bruyne. Then you got Rodri, who's holding it all together. Then you got Bernardo Silva, who's off the charts lately and yeah. does so much great work without the ball as well. Then you got Gundogan, who's, yeah. you know, their main man for several months now. You got Grealish, he's been outstanding. There's that bloke called De Bruyne, he's kind of good. And then there's yeah. a guy called Haaland. It's like, yeah. you can kind of, whoever's the flavour of the week, you can kind of build into like, almost yeah. their most important guy. Like they're kind of um, freakishly good. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you my favourite City player because I know, I know straight away who it is, but I, the, the Gundogan situation is something that I just want to touch on yeah. as well. You know, a triple, a treble winner. Um, and by the way, what a contribution to, to winning a treble. And you would be surprised if they let him walk out the door. You know, and that's what I mean about the ruthlessness of going, well, you know what, we, we can get better than him, mm. you know, or not only can we get better than him, but we're going to get someone that's going to give us five or six years. Gundogan, we can re-sign him and we might get another year out of him. But look, you know, we're going to have to solve that problem eventually. Um, but you know what, we're just going to cut our losses, um, recoup um, 
not recoup because he's going on a free, but like, you know, recoup the wages and we're going to just sign someone and settle us down for the next five or six years. Like Real Madrid did with Camavinga yeah. and um, and, and, and Casemiro. You know, they don't hang on to players or they won't hang on to players. If they do, then obviously they can't get better than him. But you'd imagine that they're looking, you know, for a long-term replacement for him. And if they can get him, no, they'll, um, they'll, they'll, they'll let him walk out the door. Um, but my favourite City player is, is, is without, I say without doubt, but with Rodri. I mean, um, well, we did a thing last week for a TV channel and um, uh, we were doing a Premier League game. And someone asked me, like, who's the most underrated player? And my answer was, Rodri, he's the most underrated rated player um, that, that, that I've seen. He is incredible. Um, his reading of the game very, very rarely goes to ground. His interception um, is outrageous. His filling of passing lanes, his versatility in terms of like can score goals, can step in, can be a handful. The stature of the guy, he's six foot four, he can move. Um, he has got the lot. And then obviously his passing is so, so crisp, so, so beautiful. And he's a perfect link man, you know, to get into and keep it moving. Because I always, I always look at, you know, players like Rodri playing in the position that their manager played in. I always imagine it's quite difficult for someone like Rodri to play <laughs> in that number number six position when Pep pretty much, you know, was the main man for so long because he sits down and tells you something. And you're like, oh, well, hang on a second. You're trying to argue with him, but... That's just a side note, but I always think that's kind of a, a messy one, mm. um, you know, for, for players. But he is as good as you're going to see. Um, and again, his age profile, um, his his durability, which yeah. is obviously something that a lot of people look at, doesn't miss many games, seems battle-hardened and, and, and seems to be good for another good chunk of seasons. I don't know how many, but he doesn't look like he's going to slow up his age profile and his fitness levels. Um, City are good in, in, in that in that area of the pitch. And obviously they signed Calvin Phillips because they were kind of worried about the, the load they were going to put on him. Yeah. As it turns out, he was able to handle that load. Um, and he's going to be um, a seriously, seriously good player for them moving forward. So Rodri's your favourite player. What a depressing yeah, answer. Yeah, I just want to enjoy watching the What most, a depressing yeah. answer. I actually feel sorry for you. Yeah, some sums me up, George. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, we are pretty much out of time. That was great. Thank you very much. I'm sure you're, uh, you've got wedge practice to get back to and, and your regimen has um, been interrupted. You actually got far off it, Joe. Yeah, uh, I've no doubt. I've no doubt. The divots in your back garden. Um, thanks, Emil. Appreciate it. Cheers, Joe. Thanks, man. Cheers. Damon Delaney giving us his uh, thoughts on Manchester City's treble 